from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, hello again and welcome Parkway Church to uh, service this morning. I would say to church, but we're not, I guess, in the building together, but I'm encouraged that you're here today, and I hope you're here. I hope you're watching right now live. If you're watching live right now, make sure you write in the comments that you're here. If you're, if you're on Facebook or on YouTube and you have the chat open up, let us know you're here. Let's get some engagement going. If you're listening later on, you can do so too. We always go back and check those. We want to know that you're here. If you're new, welcome. You know, thanks for checking us out today. Uh, we're in a series called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it's based off of this book by John Mark Comer by the same title. And if you've missed our series the last few weeks, I would encourage you to go back and check those out. It's okay if you just tune in today. You'll get, you'll get the gist of what we're talking about. But if you could go back a couple weeks, you'll get a real good intro to what we're, what we're looking at in this series. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 11. It's our key verse for for this series. Here's our problem. We are in a chronic state of hurry. We're in a chronic state of hurry. We're too busy. We have too much to do, and it is killing us. Dallas Willard said that hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. It's sucking the joy. It's sucking the peace, and it's destroying us spiritually. You and me are crippled in our walk with God. What we fail to realize is the pace of life that we actually have is a significant part of why we lack real, genuine relationship with God and all the benefits that come from it. There's a reason why the cliche says walk with God, right? Because the speed of love and the speed of godliness is not fast. It's not go, go, go. It's not hurry. It's actually slow. It's patient. It's restful. But there's an answer to all this that we have going on, and the answer is found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And my hope is that, church, if you've been tuning in for this series, by minimum, at the end of this series, you know this verse, because we've been hitting it for, this will be the third week now, we got a couple more weeks. This is the same verse that actually our kids shared in our kids' moment back in February. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and it says this, come to me. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is actually a great invitation by Jesus, not just to say something nice that makes us feel good when we're in a state of feeling overburdened or overwhelmed, but it's a great invitation to actually take on his life rhythms, his yoke, his teaching. Um, It's an invitation to take a rule of life that reorders your life around the patterns and pace of Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus, taking on his rhythms. We're talking about action steps. What do I need to do to change. So John Ortborg, a pastor in uh, California many years ago, uh, was in a conversation with uh, the philosopher and Christian thinker Dallas Willard. 
And John Ortberg was a busy, hurried, megachurch pastor, and he wanted to slow down from this pace of life. It was overwhelming. It was slowly killing him. And he said to Dallas Willard, what must I do? What must I do to be the me I want to be? What do I need to do? And uh, Dallas Willard said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And so that's what we've been talking about, action steps, things that we can do to eliminate this, this chronic state of hurry from our lives. And last week we talked about silence and solitude and my hope and my prayers that you actually put that into practice, right? that you actually found some time to do this. And then we're looking at another practice today. This is something that's actually become more lately near and dear to my life. And, and my hope is that it, it changes you. So it's last Sunday afternoon and church service finishes I leave, I go home, and like most Sunday afternoons, I'm tired. I'm weary, and I just want to rest. I grew up in a traditional Pentecostal home where Sunday afternoons were for Pentecostal naps. All the crazy charismatic behavior made us all crazy tired, and so we needed to take naps in the afternoon. So it's Sunday, and I'm tired, and I probably should rest, but the sun is shining, it's the weekend, and I want to go outside and enjoy it, so I'm extremely motivated to be in the backyard. I'm extremely motivated to go outside and enjoy the sunshine. So I eat lunch and then I head outside. Now Jody and I have this desire to make our backyard into a little oasis at home. It probably doesn't look like that. But during the summer months, we spend a lot of time outdoors in our backyard. So we want to enjoy it. And we actually can't be in our backyard without daydreaming about what it could be. You know, like, oh, we could, we could put this here. And you know, if we tore this down here and extended that there. We could slide this in there. And, and what if we had this here? And the desire is endless. Like it's, we almost imagine that we have an endless supply of finances that we could just completely comb over our backyard. But what we want to do is we have some garden, garden beds in our backyard. And this year we wanted to make some uh, raised beds. But I don't know if you know, but because of, of COVID and everything, wood is extremely expensive like extremely expensive. If you could right now, if we were in a stay-at-home order and you wanted to take your spouse or your loved one or your significant other somewhere fancy and expensive for a date night, you could go to the lumber yard at like Lowe's and you'd be in an expensive place. It's so expensive. But we actually had some wood lying around, thankfully, um, from previous projects. And so I, I plowed through my weariness I was extremely motivated and I just built these, these garden beds. So I spent this sunny Sunday afternoon pushing through my weariness, building up these beds. And I wonder if you're like that. I wonder if you're like me and your desire for something pushes you through the weariness. Your desire to accomplish or your desire to do or your desire to have pushes you through the weariness. Desire is a great motivator. Desire is the engine for our lives. It what's gets, it's, it's what gets you out of bed. It's what gets you into the world. But it's when desire is no longer under control that we're in trouble. When desire is driving our life that we're in trouble. See, the thing is, as humans, we have an infinite amount of desire. Your desire knows no end. You satisfy one and another starts. So what would it take to satisfy all your desire? Now we may say, oh, this, if I only had this or if I just had that, I would be satisfied. But I've, I have young kids and I see this being played out week after week after week because once you have this or that, then you want that or this. 
And once you have that or this, then you want this or that again. And the desire is endless. It keeps on changing. But what would it do to feel ultimately satisfied? Completely and ultimately satisfied. What would it do? Or what would we have to do? Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century said that it would take everything. It would take to experience everything and be experienced and be experienced by everything and everybody to be ultimately satisfied. Eat at every restaurant, um, visit every country, go to every exotic destination spot, visit every natural wonder, win every award, climb every mountain, have every toy, everything to satisfy the desire of the human heart, everything to ultimately satisfy because desire is infinite. Desire is infinite. It has no limit. Sadly, as we are finite. You and me, for those of us in the room that I'm looking at, and those of you on the other end of the cameras, we have these things called limits. Remember those? You want to accomplish, you want to do, but you can't. And when you have infinite desire and you have finite limits, it's a recipe for restlessness. So what do we do with all the desire and how is it satisfied? C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite probably quotes from C.S. Lewis says that if we find in ourselves a desire with, nothing, with which nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. If we find in ourselves a desire with which nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is we are made for another world. Ecclesiastes, in chapter 3, verse 11, the author says that God has set eternity in the human heart. St. Augustine, the bishop of Hippo, once said this uh, to God. He says, you have made us for yourselves, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We have infinite desire church, parkway, because we were made for an infinite God. We were made for an infinite God and nothing else will quench the thirst. Ultimately, nothing in this life apart from God will ultimately satisfy. But here's the unfortunate news and here's what leads us to the chronic state of hurry is we constantly continue to chase after the desire and to find satisfaction in things that can't. And the result is the chronic state of restlessness, the weariness, the angst, the depression, the anxiety, the misaligned priorities, all of which leads to hurry and overload, overload and do more and busy and materialism and careerism, which creates this endless cycle that we can't escape. Our society doesn't help either, right? They capitalize on this. Buy this and do that and go here and have this and you'll find what you're looking for. And even as followers of Jesus, we buy into this. And so we toil and we labor at work for what? To get more, to experience more so that I can feel satisfied. If I just had a little bit more, I'd feel better. I'd feel complete, I'd feel satisfied. We're in a chronic state of unrest. John Mark Homer in the book, he said this, he says, our only hope is to put desire back in its proper place on God and to put all other desires in their proper place below God, not to detach from all desire, but to come to a place where we no longer need fill in the blank to live a happy, restful life. So what is the practice? We're talking about practices. What is the practice and what is the pace of Jesus that helps us with this state of unrest? 
Sabbath. Sabbath is the practice and pace that helps us unravel and unhurry from the chronic state of restlessness. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word meaning Shabbat, Hebrew word Shabbat, and the word literally means to stop. It's simply a day to stop. Just stop. Stop desiring, stop wanting, stop working, stop worrying, just stop. Just stop. That's what it means. And we're actually drawn to this more than we realize, right? That's why so many of us long for what? The weekend. Or we dream about retirement. That's why the advertisement that sells relaxation in the spa and, and nature or by the boat and, and it's alluring to us. That's why destination vacations are so alluring. Because we can stop from all the toiling and all the laboring and finally get some rest. Disney Plus, um, the like Netflix version for Disney, um, has this thing celebrating Earth Week called Earth Moods. And you can literally just visit any beautiful landscape spot that you know I, I would say across the globe, and they just have nice, tranquil music to it. So I put on, uh, what did I put on? Tropical Serenity this week, and I just, I just stopped for 30 minutes and visited the tropical wonders of our world. Stop, we're drawn to this. Sabbath is actually more than just a day then, it's a pace of life. It's a pace of life, it's a state of being. If hurry is one pace of life that most, if not all of us live, then Sabbath is another pace of life. Speaking of uh, the Sabbath, the lifestyle, the, the state of being, the writer of Hebrews, he says this in Hebrews chapter four, verse 11, make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort to enter that rest. Doesn't that sound ironic? You gotta work hard in order to rest well. Work hard in order to rest well. There's a discipline to it. It takes intentionality. It won't just happen. There's, there's a planning behind Sabbath. There's a planning behind uh, and preparation behind it. So we started introducing um, a Sabbath day into our weekly rhythm. We, we found the value in it and we started to try to put it in where we take one day a week where we cease from all work, unpaid and paid. Not just like our nine to five job but all work paid and unpaid. This includes errands and house chores and grocery shopping. And we used to do all that stuff, clean the house, grocery shopping, pick up, you know, do the projects, whatever we need to do on the weekends. But because we, we want to institute a Sabbath, we needed to actually plan time in the week to do those things so that we could rest well on the Sabbath day. So we had, to, we had to do things like vacuuming and, and pick up groceries and laundry and those projects on each every other day. But it made that one day a little bit more wonderful where we were free to really rest and enjoy and delight. The author says, make every effort to enter that rest. You gotta work hard in order to rest well. Now the author is actually speaking of the rest that's found in Jesus but as we look at what it means to follow after Jesus, we're looking at what it means to take on his practices, to put on his pace of life in order to follow after him. So it's last Sunday after, afternoon, after the service, I received a text message from someone at Parkway in regards to the message. And they said, hi, Pastor Call, his rest equals his pace. That was it, his rest equals his pace. I was just like, man, I could just post that and that would be our Sunday message right there because that will preach. 
His rest equals his pace. In order to Sabbath and in order to rest well and enter God's rest, in order to take his yoke and have the burden lifted, in order to unhurry and reclaim our spiritual vitality, we need to take on his pace. Not just say a lofty prayer. Not just proclaim to be Christian. Not just read a scripture. But to take on his pace. So as a Jew, Jesus had this rhythm built into his life. One day, every week, to slow down and stop. We read in the Gospels, Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees on on the Sabbath day, we, we looked at one such instance in Mark chapter two, I think it was, in our series in Mark. But unlike us, the Pharisees had become legalistic about it. They became legalistic about the Sabbath and like most of all other laws that God had given, they made rules around it in order to keep it. And the problem was it became less about rest and ceasing from work and it actually became a burden for people to keep it because there were so many rules to follow in order to, to Sabbath in order to stop. And so Jesus actually challenges them and he says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But unlike the Pharisees, most of us don't even practice this. Do you know what I would guess out of 100 people at Parkway? One, 1% maybe, if that, actually practice the Sabbath. In fact, I think the Sabbath is largely forgotten by the church, but this was a pace of Jesus that was designed for you. This was designed for you. It was made for you. And all goes back to the beginning. See, the Sabbath in the scriptures is the seventh day of the week on the Saturday. And where all uh, Jewish tradition has all God's people ceasing from work, they were commanded to do this, patterning their lives after God. So in the biblical origin story, after creating the heavens and the earth and all that was in it, God stepped back. He looked at all he had made. And it says this in Genesis chapter two, it says that on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but it says that he rested. God rested. How many of us say, well, do you know what? I'm just not into that thing. That's like an Old Testament thing. You know, I'm not legalistic about it. I, I'm a pretty busy, I like to keep busy. I got a pretty demanding job that requires me to work every day. I got two young kids at home. I don't have time for this sort of thing. God rested. And just so you know, God has a more demanding job than you. He's the God of the universe. Our very life, our very breath is in his hands. Right, the, the orders of creation keep going because of God's command. But God rested. He wasn't tired, he didn't need a break, but he was establishing a rhythm of life for humanity to live in. It was built into the created order. In fact, if you read the creation story very carefully, the seventh day is the only day that doesn't end. Every other day has a morning and an evening, but the seventh day doesn't give us that description. It's ongoing. It's a state of being. God used his own example of rest, establishing a Sabbath day for us, for humanity to practice weekly and in order to order our lifestyle around. He blessed it. The only other things that he blessed in the creation story were humans and animals. He blessed humans, he blessed animals, and he blessed a day. 
He made it holy. The Ten Commandments tells us to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That word holy means always means to be set apart. It means other than. He says, keep the seventh day set apart from the rest. The Sabbath day is to be different than the rest of the days. One day a week is to be different than all the other days. And so God's people, Jesus, patterned their lives after God, the Father, resting from all their work, paid and unpaid. They ceased. They stopped. They Sabbathed. Studies actually show the value of taking one day, minimum one day off a week. In fact, the most productive societies in this world work less. There's benefits. In the fitness world, rest is a significant part of muscle growth. In fact, the exercise part is the smallest portion. The nutrition and the rest are the most important. And many people don't see the the growth they're looking for with muscle growth because they're not actually resting. You and me, we don't grow in our journey with God, in our lives. We don't become the me that we want to be because we don't actually take time to stop, to just cease, to rest. Sabbath rhythm, the practice of Sabbath creates space for us to become like Jesus. So many of us are like, man, I just want to, I want to do those things. I want to be like Christ. I want to have his love. And then we've, we've, Throw in so much into our lives thinking that the rhythm and pace of life that we have is gonna make us like Christ. We need to unhurry our lives. There's another translation for the word Sabbath. It means to stop, but it also can mean to delight. So it has this dual meaning, to stop and to delight. To delight in God, to delight in family, to delight in creation, to delight in our lives in it. So this is how we need to look at this. What what could I do for 24 hours that would fill my life with such deep resounding joy? Like like actually do, not just like fantasize. (laughs) I'd visit Fiji, you know? What could you actually do that would fill your life with wonder and gratitude and praise? One author, he, he put it this way. He said, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And as the the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, Sabbath is a holy time where we feast and we play and we dance and we have sex and we sing and we play and we laugh and we tell stories and we read and we paint and we walk and we watch creation in its fullness. And all of this is found in what God has set for us. This is the pattern. This is the pace that God patterned for us. What is something that brings you joy? What is something that fills you up? What is something that touches your soul? Maybe it's a good book, right? Maybe it's a long walk. Maybe it's a movie with the kids. Maybe it's baking and making a mess of the kitchen, which would drive me crazy. Maybe, maybe it's a long nap. You just need like an extra two-hour nap. Stop from all the things that hurry and are overwhelming. Cease from doing and working on the to-do list and do things that are actually rest for your soul. Because when we don't do this, when we don't put this into practice, we live in a chronic state of unrest and hurry. Let me just share a couple more things. Uh, Moses commands the Sabbath in two different occasions. One is in Exodus in the 10 Commandments. 
and one is in Deuteronomy as a new generation is about to enter the promised land. Now, in Exodus, the command is actually the longest command out of the Ten Commandments. You look at the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath one is the longest one. It says this, Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. So a few things worth pointing out. Number one, it says remember. Remember as you go about your life. Remember as you, as you, as you quickly take on that hurried pace of life, as you get sucked up in the speed of fast and of busy. Remember to take time to stop and delight. Remember the Sabbath, he's saying. Remember the Sabbath. The second thing he says is, it's, is that it's a Sabbath to the Lord. Remember it, set it apart. It's blessed, but it's set apart to the Lord. Because the Sabbath isn't just to stop, but it's also about worship. Isn't that funny that rest can be worship? Not singing in a church service, not worshiping with a worship team, not opening up our Bible, but centering our life around God. The Sabbath is not just another day off. See, on your day off, you do things, you, you, you fix things, you run errands, you, you do projects. But the Sabbath is rest. It's ceasing from things to worship. I think that's kind of cool. I'm gonna go worship God by resting. I can worship by resting. Glorify God in nature, feast and thank him. You almost need to ask yourself as you're about to do something on this day, is this rest and worship? If not, don't do it. Resist. There's six other days for that. And we don't need to get legalistic about this. Like this is for you, Jesus says. The Sabbath is made for man. This is for you. God designed it for you. God, the creator of all, knows that we need this built into our daily rhythm. So he built it into the created order. It wouldn't be built into the created order if we didn't need it. It wouldn't be there if it wasn't for us, beneficial to our bodies and soul. This is for us. But accomplishing your many things, though you think is helpful, doesn't help to unhurry our lives. Then the other command is in Deuteronomy chapter five. I'm gonna invite Joel, why don't you join me back up? So Exodus happens after the people, the Exodus chapter 20 happens after the people are led out of slavery. But Deuteronomy happens after they've been wandering the desert for 40 years and that generation has died off and the new generation is about to enter this, the promised land. But this new generation weren't in slavery. This new generation didn't know the commands and so Moses repeats the command again, but it's a little bit different. It says this in chapter five, verse 12 and verse 15, it says this, observe the Sabbath. So before it was remember, now it's observe. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord God has commanded you. Verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So here's the thing that you can miss if you're, if you're not careful. So in Exodus and the 10 Commandments, it's rooted in the creation story. The command is rooted in the origin story. 
It's rooted in the fact that God rested on the seventh day. But in Deuteronomy here, the command is rooted in the Exodus story. It's rooted in the fact that Israel's freedom from slavery to, um, from, uh, slavery to Pharaoh and to Egypt, they were delivered from that. This was the first generation to grow up in freedom. This was the first generation um, that weren't slaves, slaves to an empire that was driven for more. More to get more, to have more, to accomplish more, to build more. In order to do that, Egypt needed slaves. Slaves don't get a day off. Slaves don't get a Sabbath. Slaves don't get to rest. Slaves don't stop. They don't cease and therefore they do not delight. Now you and me may not be slaves to our work, but we are slaves to our way of life. We are slaves to the hurry. We are slaves to the pace. As John Mark said in the book, he says, Egypt is alive and well in us. We live in this culture that is driven for more. We're driven for more. More food, more drink, more clothes, more devices, more things, have more toys, more spaces, more. If I just had more, if I could just get only this, desire, 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 and our desire is never satisfied. So this command to Sabbath in Deuteronomy here is actually a command to resist Resist the temptation to chase after more. Resist the temptation to desire for more. Resist the Western materialistic mindset and become a slave to it all for God has delivered us out of slavery. Sabbath is actually a war tactic to break free from the pace of hurry. You wanna break free from hurry? You gotta go to war and your weapon is not a weapon of this world, Sabbath. Sabbath stops us from getting caught in slavery of the modern machine. To rest, to delight, to worship, to resist. So Sabbath in our home has actually become over the course of the last couple months or so that we've actually really instituted this. One of our favorite days of the week. It's something that we look forward to it's something that we, when we come back from, we're looking back to. Our kids get excited about it. Walter Brueggemann, a scholar and theologian, he said this, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently because it becomes a pace of life. You're hurried. And you may say, well, I don't have many things going on, but we're hurried. We're in this chronic state of unhurry and of, of rest and it's killing us spiritually. If you feel like a lack in your relationship with God, it's because you're hurried. You have, you have put so much into your schedule that you no longer have room. Talked about this the last couple of weeks. We don't even have room to be silent and find solitude. We need to put in practices that are gonna help us become more like Jesus. It's a rule of life a schedule and a set of rhythms that we pattern our lives after in order to become like Jesus, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what he were, would do if he were here, if he were me, if he were you. Now, like all practices, it's something that you do. 
But taking 24 hours to cease and stop and rest might seem really hard and it might take a little bit of time to actually practically figure out because it's alien to us. So here's my challenge for you. It's pick a day out of your week. A day that works best for you and set it aside. That's making it holy. I'm gonna make this day different from the rest. Set it aside, clear your schedule. For us, it's a Saturday that just works best for our schedule. For you, it might be today because today is a day where you can worship with the body of believers and so this is your part of your Sabbath. Get the groceries on a different day, do the chores on a different day, do the laundry, get work on the project. And yes, that might mean that you have to make every effort any other day of the week to enter this rest. Let the dirty clothes pile up on this day. Turn your phone off. <clears throat> Excuse me? When was the last time you actually turned off your phone and not to reset it, right? Turn off your phone, or at least minimize your contact with it. Like just put it in a different room for a bit. Begin the day with a prayer. And then rest and worship and do things that are life-giving for your soul. You don't need to wait until you have a vacation time. This is like a vacation once a week. This is for you, Jesus said. It's for you. It was made for you. In the created order, it was made for you. In Deuteronomy, it's, it's told to, to, to resist the becoming slaves again to the modern machine. You know, my, my heart and my long for us as a church, Parkway Church, as a community, you know, I've, I think I've said this a few times, but as we kind of come out of this season of life we've been in for the last year, COVID, whatever you want to call it, and we, we're asking what's new normal going to look like? Maybe this is all the new normal, but what if we can put in some practices and, and some disciplines, spiritual disciplines in place, like silence and solitude and Sabbath, and we're going to talk about a couple more simple things that actually change our lives. Like you don't need the burning bush moment to change your life. You don't need the Damascus Road experience that Paul had to change your life. You don't need this like dramatic encounter with God to change your life. Maybe you just need to unhurry it a bit. So last week I said, hey, get some silence. Find some solitude. Take the moments. Set a time and schedule time to be with God. Here's my challenge for you this week. Pick a day. Set it aside. Make it holy. Clear your schedule. Don't do chores or errands on that day. Make it holy and just enjoy, enjoy. Rest, delight, resist, Sabbath. Stop and delight. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that there's truth sown within your scripture, God, that we, we often don't even put into practice. Things like the Sabbath, we often are looking to the, the spiritual, God, the miraculous, these powerful things that can radically transform our lives. And I love that and I long for it, God. But things like this, rhythms and paces that we can do that bless our life abundantly. God, I pray that we would be a Parkway Church people or that put rhythms into place that unhurry our lives. Uh, Lord, I believe that in this season of church, you've done some sifting as a church. Lord, you're refining us as a church, 
as individuals and as an organization. But Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that those within the sound of my voice, God, we would look at these things and say, how can I be with Jesus? How can I become like him and do what he would do, God? Let's put these into practice. So help us, God, guide us, give us wisdom. Lord, and as the deception comes in, as the enemy tries to come in and lie to us and deceive us to believe that our lives are too busy, we don't have time for this, to do more and accomplish more. Lord, as we're led to believe the lie that says this is a good thing to do, help us to recognize it. Help us to rebuke it. Help us to take that thought captive, God. And just look to the things that you've given us, paces, God, that we can do in order to be blessed and to find fulfillment for our soul. So Lord, everyone within the sound of my voice, I pray that you bless. Lord, I pray you touch, speak to God. I believe that you speak not only God through preachers and worship sets, but Holy Spirit, you speak directly to souls. You speak directly to souls. And so you know every situation, you know every circumstance, you know every person. Speak in the name of Jesus. Convict of sin, lead to repentance. God, transform us. Lead us to, to stop and to delight. We love you, Lord. We bless you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church. 